You are listening live to the latest edition of the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Online with our app, Tanner Hoops with you in studio Tuesday afternoon. The final Tuesday in the month of July, as amazing as that is to try and comprehend. It's sad. It is a little sad, it's isn't it? a little it? sad, yes. Jake Durant from Local 3 is in studio with me, by the way. It's a funky week this week. He's usually here on Thursdays, coming in on short rest. Your arm's feeling good, right? Oh, man, I'm ready yeah. to I'm ready to pitch a few innings. I can uh, you know, close out the game if you need me to. Uh, just feels good to be here. I, I really have nothing better to do with my <laughs> life, so why not come in and talk some source with you? Well, we're always happy to have you. Okay. You're always invited. But I tell you what, I'm hoping that there are going to be some other moves involving pitchers today. So far, it's been kind of blah, kind of boring, kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Not a lot's been going on here these last couple of days. It's been a really underwhelming trade deadline, which means I really hope things start picking up tomorrow and give us some stuff to talk about. The Brewers got Jordan Lyles. He's coming to Milwaukee, and I mean, he's not great, but he's better than a lot of guys they have right now, so... I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. The, you, the you Tigers think, are looking to say, make moves. Yeah, I was going to say maybe the Tigers will cut bait with some, some players mm-hmm. and try to, you know, um, just kind of get their their salary thing figured out. But, yeah, it's definitely been, you know, you hear rumblings, you hear rumors and things like that of things possibly happening, especially with, with the Brewers and, and things like that. But um, just so far, so far nothing is going on. So hopefully, like you said, things pick up. Um, obviously, I think the Brewers um, would like to add a couple pieces just to, you know, go into the postseason mm-hmm. um, a little bit stronger than they are. I still think they have a, they have a great team and things. But, um, yeah, man, normally in the MLB you see you see teams making moves, you know, who want to who want to make the push in the postseason. But for some reason right now it's not happening. But I, I, do, I do think it will pick up tomorrow. Well, I tell you what, the Chicago Cubs still trying to catch Milwaukee in the north standings. Excuse me, the central standings. David Phelps, the reliever from Toronto, is on his way to Chicago. He'll bolster up that defense in exchange for Thomas Hatch. And then Blake Parker, who was released by the Twins a couple of weeks ago, has been picked up by the Philadelphia Phillies. So there's been a little bit of movement today. I tell you what, for a while it looked like Madison Bumgarner was going to stay right where he was with San Francisco. And then suddenly trade talks start heating up between Mad Bum and the Houston Astros. So there's a chance Mad Bum could be going there. I know they had their eye on Matt Boyd for a while. The Tigers seem like they... You know what, here's the thing. I like what the Tigers are doing. I'm just going to say I love what they're doing with Matt Boyd. They're taking a guy who is relatively unknown at the MLB landscape, but he can still be a productive, a serviceable pitcher... And they are saying, we want your top-end prospect for it. And other teams are saying, who's Matt Boyd? And the Tigers are saying, we're not giving this guy up unless we get full bang for our buck. And I love that. I love that for Detroit. I think more teams need to do that instead of caving in. I, I like what Detroit's doing in that sense. And, and really, they have nothing to lose you know, right now, and, and it's it's basically a it's a standard business practice. You mm-hmm. want to you know build up build your asset up to the best you can get it. You know, get some momentum behind them, and and they're probably just kind of waiting until until a team gets desperate. And you know, as as the trade den- deadline nears, we might see a team finally just kind of cave in and be like, oh, okay, you know, we really we really need a, a pitcher or what whatnot, and then you know make the move, but. Um, I mean, for Detroit, what do you really have to lose? You're not really, you know, too desperate right now to to get a deal done. So you know, kind of just kind of sit back, let the dominoes fall, and and hope that a team bites. And um, we might see one team do that as we near the deadline. Who is Matt Boyd? That's a good question. That's a really good question. <laughs> they are trying to move Nick Castellanos, and there's some teams that would be interested. He can provide some right-handed depth. 
but he's not going to be a guy that you're going to bring back a haul for. You're not going to get a top-tier prospect for him, but he can be a depth guy for a contender. I'm interested to see where he's going to go because he's in a weird situation where the team is very adamant they want to move him. Right, and it, it seemed like Cassianos had a run where he was playing you know, really well for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his name is not not really a hot name that's on the market. Um, you know, now you're in a, a, a position where you're kind of playing for a team who you know doesn't really want you, but like you said, the market's not there. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what they can possibly get for him. Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I don't really know what the market for him would be. I'm excited to see how it all pans out, and I really hope it picks up here in the next day. If we had to suffer through all this, I hope that it means things are going to absolutely erupt tomorrow, that we went through a few dry spells, it was quiet, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the bottom falls out, and everybody keeps moving and swapping. Basketball wasn't like this. Basketball was so much fun this year. Hockey wasn't like this. Football usually isn't like this. All those sports had really good years around their trade deadlines, so I'm waiting for baseball to do the same thing. And frankly, baseball, if there's any sport, they need it. They, I mean, they have an interest problem. Exactly, exactly. And, and to be honest with you, I think when, when players move around in leagues um, and it changes the dynamics, you know, some moves might move the needle into conferences' favors or teams' favor. Um, that's exciting to me. You know, I'm, I'm always a huge, um, you know, I always root for for change in, in players moving around for the NBA. I love the fact that, you know, players are moving around so much. It, it just it, it keeps things fun. It keeps things fresh. And, you know, I just think that's that's the new the new trend. So definitely with baseball and, you know, them, the whole league trying to figure out how we're going to gain interest. Um, I think, you know, with teams making moves and making splashes and and really, you know, making getting those those bombs on the social media accounts. Um, the big moves, I think uh, the MLB is really in need of that. So I do think we're kind of in the calm before the storm. I, I, I have to think that teams are in discussions, um, and I think it's just going to take one move for things to really open up, and hopefully we're going to see that soon. I asked Ryan Stig yesterday, do you think the Mets know what they're doing, what they're trying to no. build themselves into right now? No. I don't think anybody does. I think they're just, I think they're just honestly just, just trying There's to see There's not a lot happened. of confidence in them right now because no. they – Pick up Marcus Stroman yesterday, again, a ground ball master with the worst statistical defensive infield behind him. So you have a couple of those two, and it's going to be a disaster. Then they trade Jason Vargas last night, so they actually have a really talented starting rotation. But uh, I, I don't know if they're buyers or sellers, if they're aggressive, if they're not, because I have some teams that are calling on Edwin Diaz for that closer role, Boston being one, the Dodgers being another if the Dodgers get Edwin Diaz, then we can pack in the NL, and it's pretty much over. But I tell you what, the Mets just don't seem to know what they want to do. They get rid of Vargas yesterday. They go to Philadelphia. Philadelphia certainly is a team that knows what they want to be. Picking up Vargas yesterday, another starter. And tonight, Drew Smiley, former Detroit Tiger, makes his Phillies debut. How about that? Yeah. Hey, you know what's going to happen. He's going to play amazing. <laughs> He's going to be really good after that's what, leaving the Tigers. That's what happens. But yeah, for the Mets, I mean, I, it's never good to have an identity problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like you said, they're, they're kind of walking the line of, you know, what, who are we? What are we trying to do? You know, should we bring in some names to, to gain some, you know, I don't know, attention, um, excitement? Or should we just show that we're throwing it, throwing in the towel? I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, they're just kind of one of those teams that, are, that, that need to figure things out. And um, I just, 
obviously the Mets, they're just not a good they're not a good franchise, let's just be honest. Well, the Tigers and Brewers both in the midst of West Coast road trips this evening. They're both starting at 10.07 tonight. You staying up to watch it? No. Me neither. Tigers at Angels tonight. Drew Verhagen goes up against Griffin Canning. And the Brewers visit the Athletics. Adrian Hauser squares off against Chris Bassett. So a couple of real late West Coast well, the, games. The Tigers got to win. They got to win yesterday. They got to win. After getting swept by the, the Mariners? By the Mariners. Yeah. And they got a win over the Angels last night, 7-2. Really good to see. But, yeah, that, that topped not only their losing streak, it topped Jordan Zimmerman's winless streak. Mm. They finally get Big Z a win. All right. Well, they get a win, and then they lose seven straight, and then they get a win again. <laughs> so they got to kind of close that gap a little bit. Is it tough being a Tiger fan? I don't know. Somewhat of a Tiger fan? Not for me. Aren't you somewat of a Tiger fan? I, I mean, I, I don't have a baseball team, so I do root for the Tigers, but it's it's the one sport where I'm not emotionally connected to a team. Mm-hmm. So when the Tigers lose, I'm just like, they're supposed to lose. <laughs> they're, in a, they're in a rebuild. I, you know, um, Tom Kippen, who's our weather guy at Local 3, is definitely more of a baseball uh, fan. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a real big Tigers fan, and, and he's just under the impression that, you know, he's got a good solid two to five years of just, not being relevant at all before the Tigers make some noise. So I'm going to actually agree with him and say, I mean, if you're a Tigers fan, you you are seeing what you kind of want to see. You know, um, you don't want a team to overachieve for a year and things like that. You just kind of want to, if you're going to tank, if you're going to be bad, just be bad. And um, I mean, every Tiger fan knew this was this was coming, so it's, it shouldn't be come to a surprise. But but no, every time I see a Tiger score and, and or I'm watching the game, I'm just like, oh, this this is standard. It's okay. <laughs> At least do it in style. <laughs> oh, the Tigers are doing their darndest. But I tell you what, uh, if they can get something back for Matt Boyd, if they can convince somebody to give them the wagon's load for Matt Boyd, maybe they can be back quicker than two to five years. I tell you what, one of the teams interested in Matt Boyd is Houston. They are still looking at acquiring Matt Boyd and bolstering that starting rotation. The Tigers reportedly are asking for, just knock on wood, Oh, no, no, sorry. It was an accident. (laughs) The Tigers are reportedly asking for outfield prospect Kyle Tucker. He is the 13th-ranked prospect in all of baseball, and he's Houston's number one prospect. So That'd be nice. If Matt Boyd were to go to Houston, it means Detroit is getting back the top prospect in a really deep Astros organization. Likely. I mean, they've got to stick to their guns and make that trade. Otherwise, just hold on to Boyd. Right. And like I said, it's not like they're... They're in a rush, but if you get the 13th best prospect for a guy who's, you know, overall kind of a no-name guy who's, mm-hmm. who's just solid, um, you know, the potential's there, obviously, and in a team that's not really projected to do anything for the next several years by the time they actually get something going, who knows what that what that prospect would grow into. So I think that would be a great move for the Tigers who are in rebuild mode. Playing a little GM here in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. We got some baseball. We got a little bit of basketball. We got plenty of football with training camp in the midst. You got the fever yet? Oh, I, all year. I, I doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't go away from me. Um, you know, I'm one of those guys who just follows the NFL every single day. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. It could be, you know, the slowest NFL day, but I'm always on Twitter just checking things out. You know, I follow the players in their off-season programs. Um, you know, I like to look at teams, potential. The draft is a big thing. Um, training camp is it's just another day that feels like Christmas to me when training camp gets going and, and guys put on the shoulder pads and, and helmets, which the Green Bay Packers just did this Sunday. So they're mm-hmm. they're getting into the swing of things. And, and, yeah, man, I'm just I'm super excited because, you know, the preseason's right around the corner and then 
then you're right into the regular season, so it's going to be good. Hey, Thursday, don't forget, here in the sports pen, we're going to get in-camp updates with both the Packers and Lions beat writers Dave Burkett and Rob Domofsky will join me on the show, and they will give us updates on training camp from both the Packers and Lions aspect of things. I tell you what, though, I hated seeing this headline earlier today. Andrew Luck suffers a setback with a calf injury. He's also feeling ankle pain. First of all, I love Andrew Luck. This show is all about Andrew Luck. Like That's going to be our goal someday, yeah. is Andrew Luck's going to come on this show and hopefully cure our obsession with him. It, Second it, of let all, me be on the show when Andrew Luck comes <laughs> on to the show, please. Second of all, he's my MVP pick this year. I don't want him hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, some, sometimes when the injuries happen, it could be for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not in training camp. You know, It's a calf injury. Obviously, it's bothering him because he stated he's, he's planning on being ready for week one of the regular season. That means he's kind of disregarding all of the preseason. But it kind of stops him from getting onto the field and possibly injuring himself even worse with a, with a worse injury. It's kind of like with Tyreek Hill who went down today for Kansas City mm-hmm. with a bruised quad. Um, it's not a severe knee injury or anything like for that. Um, a lot of people won't feel sorry for him, but in, <laughs> in Kansas City's eyes, now he's not on the field to possibly hurt himself any any worse. I don't think missing you know a couple weeks of training camp and things like that will hurt guys who are who are at that level. So um, you know it's going to get let Andrew Luck kind of get some rest, take a step back, and and you know he's used to being injured, unfortunately. But um, you know you want him to be as close as you can to 100% healthy for Week One, and and that team is 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 going to be really good. I mean that's one of the more complete teams I think both offensively and defensively in all levels. Um, the lines are amazing. Um, you know, they, Paris Campbell is a really underrated receiver that I really like, and, and they got a good run game, and that defense is really good. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're definitely a team who who's going to be a favorite for many in the AFC as long as Andrew Luck is healthy. Oh, I tell you what, you look at the rest of the NFL landscape and who might be out there in the playoff picture, the MVP picture, does it surprise you that right now Baker Mayfield has as good of MVP odds as Tom Brady? I I, I don't just because of, of the weapons he's going to have. Yeah. Obviously, um, I think he has two of the top receivers in the league, and and people are underestimating what those what Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are going to bring um, when it comes to motivating each other to be the best. Um, you saw them in college at, at LSU, um, where they they were both challenging each other each and every day. One guy goes out there, makes a really ridiculous catch. The other one's going to want to go out there. You know, they're they're basically brothers. I think that having those two on a, on a roster is huge for both of them, just from a motivational standpoint. So I I know both of them guys are going to come out and they're going to want to you know remind people who they are. I think Odell Beck, Beckham Jr. Um, a lot of people are saying he he's kind of relying too much on on the catch against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, that's his whole persona. But I think he's motivated to come out and want to prove himself. And and obviously with Baker Mayfield, he's one of those guys that just likes to sling it. And when you have two guys like that catching the ball. Um, I think he's going to be very, very productive. And then they got they got some good runners now. They got Nick Chubb, um, Kareem Hunt, who when he was at Kansas City um, and he was playing, he was one of the best running backs in the NFL. So that offense is loaded. So seeing Baker Mayfield's name up there strictly off just potential of that offense, I mean, it makes sense. And, and um, you know, if he's in the running late in the year, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me one bit, to be honest. If you had to ask me honestly who I think will win MVP, if I said right now, you and I speaking to each other just after four on a Tuesday afternoon in late July, I would say Patrick Mahomes. 
I made my Baker, excuse me, I made my Andrew Luck prediction the day before Tariq Hill was not suspended. The NFL announced that. And I, I really did think he was going to get at least something, and that would hurt Mahomes in the MVP race. It was a big reason why I thought Luck. With that alone, I start to think Mahomes, yeah, he'll probably be just fine. But now with Luck getting hurt, I'm especially worried. I'm still pulling for Luck, though, and since I did make that call, I'm going to stick with it, and I'm still sticking with my boy. Yeah. I mean, for me, Pat, listen, Pat Mahomes, he had a really good season, obviously an MVP type of season. I want to see, I, I got to see it more consistently before I'm, I'm sitting here and saying, you know, he's really good. Obviously, we know he's really good. He's going to be really good, but, um, you know, he has a loaded team. I just want to see him do it again. If he can go and win the MVP again, you know, I'm going to be a believer. But I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, okay, I need, a, I need like three, four consistent years before I'm putting you in like the top tier quarterback group and i'm talking like mvp play um don't get me wrong i still think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the nfl but um i want to see i want to see it happen so i think you know for me i i don't i don't really know who i think is going to win mvp i want to say aaron Rodgers, obviously coming back if he can stay healthy i like drew Brees in that offense um and i know pat mahomes is is the sexy pick i, I like your andrew luck pick i really yeah. do i think just from a, a standpoint of of the supporting cast it's really hard to, to kind of go against that that team is is really good if you could have any guest come here on the show if my wish list were able to be three people long i would pick andrew luck stugatz they would be in the top two of my list the second one might happen. We might be able to make that work. I don't know who my third one would be. If you could have anybody on the sports zone, who would you have? Probably have Jalen Ramsey, Soundbite, <laughs> Soundbite King, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Um, shoot. Hmm. Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. You know, just just guys that are you know are going to say something ridiculous. I, you know, I'm a fan. I do like Shannon Sharp too. Okay. Shannon Sharp's a guy that I'm a huge fan of. So any of those guys come on, you know, you're guaranteed some entertainment, some good takes, some sound bites, and and you're you're guaranteed a good time. So the high school sports zone is all about a good time. You know, we don't we're not really you know suit and tie formal or anything like that. So those guys would fit the the high school sports zone very good. If you could have a panel of Jalen Ramsey, Stephen A. Smith. Andrew Luck, and who else did you say? Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. And Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Think about the sound bites you'd get from that panel. That'd be amazing. Wow. If you can just have those guys sit you know, in a room, Charles Barkley is another guy, mm. just kind of sit and just spew for an hour, I think it'd be extremely entertaining. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, I've got some Jerry Jones audio that I want to play for you. He inadvertently, in so many words told us how he's going to handle the Ezekiel Elliott situation. Hear the owner's decision next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along as always on this Tuesday afternoon. Well, I tell you what, the Zeke holdout continues. Ezekiel Elliott not reporting to practice in Oxnard, California. He's not there at training camp. Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper are. Those two are going to be up for new contracts shortly. Zeke is not. However, he is one of the best running backs in football, and he feels that he deserves to get paid more than he is right now, particularly with the injury risk at his position. So I tell you what, 
the Cowboys have some decisions to be making here in the near future. They've got three guys, all leaders at their position groups for their respective team, a young group that is poised in the midst of their Super Bowl window right now. So now the Cowboys got to decide who they're going to pay because they're not going to be able to pay all of them. Yeah, they're stuck in a really a really tough situation. Um, you know, a lot of people argue. You, obviously, you need to sign Dak because quarterback the quarterback position is is the most important position. I'm not too impressed with Dak Prescott. I'm not saying you could just go and find a replacement for mm-hmm. Dak Prescott. You know, he does bring some intangibles, and you know, he's he's a competitor. He's he's won some big games. So I'm not saying, hey, you know, why pay Zach? You could just or Zach Dak. You know, you could just go find somebody because obviously there's a lot of teams out there that wish they could have a Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to take, I think, in in order of, of how I would prioritize it if I was the Cowboys, Zeke's number one for me. I think he brings, you know, obviously he's when healthy and, and he's running. He's one of the best running backs in the league, if not the best, um, with that offensive line that they have. It really makes defenses have to obviously plan and game plan against against a really good run game and that opens up players for like that's Amari Cooper if Zeke's not in the backfield do you think Amari Cooper is going to be as productive as he is Um, I think Amari Cooper is the one that should be getting paid last in in my eyes I think you you take care of Zeke you take care of Dak and you say all right Amari you know you came in here you obviously helped us you gave us a spark let us see it one more year and then and then we'll, we'll, we'll pay you because in the end you know, without a run game, that's going to really affect, obviously, obviously the wide receiver game. And I just don't see the Cowboys being able to win a Super Bowl without Zeke in the backfield. You don't want to risk a holdout or things like that. If, if Amari Cooper went down, I mean, they got a couple guys, but, but I feel like they could, they could either trade for somebody or bring, bring a guy in or they, they will still be able to catch balls. You know, they'll, they'll still be able to be productive. But without Zeke, I mean, he's the one intangible, the one unique player that you have that not every single team has, and he can he can really wreck a game. So, um, for me, you can you can be without Amari Cooper and still win a Super Bowl if you have Zeke and Dak. If you don't have Zeke and you have Dak and Amari, that's it. I I, I just don't see them winning a Super Bowl. So so in my eyes, I say you take care of Zeke and you take care of Dak and you let Amari kind of just you know you got to be patient. So, somebody's not going to get paid. Um, it, it, it's hard though because all three guys obviously they're in very important skilled positions, and it's just it's just unfortunate that it all lined up where they all all want to get paid. I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with it. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here, so we hit all sides of it. Even with Zeke in the backfield, I don't think the Cowboys are good enough to win a Super Bowl right now. In fact, I think they need to continue to add pieces, which they don't have the money to do. They're not going to be able to do. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to be making the Super Bowl anytime soon. Before Amari Cooper came, when it was just Zeke and Dak, people were wondering, is Zeke really that good of a quarterback? Excuse me, is Dak really that good of a quarterback? Was 2016 just a premonition? And then Amari came there. And he looked a lot better. His game perked up again, and people thought, okay, maybe if you put enough weapons around him, he can be good. So Amari is valuable to that team. Certainly you take Zeke away, and they're not going anywhere. They're not going to make a Super Bowl. And if you take Dak Prescott out of there, then you're going through Nathan Petermans and Josh Allens until you finally find a guy who can at least be competent under center. So I think you need all three of them, but you also need a good offensive line to make Dak look good. He can go 13-3 and with a good offensive line in front of him, but then to be a real contender, you need a good defense behind you, and they have a lot of young guys there right now 
that are all going to be coming up on their rookie contracts and here in a couple of years, they're all going to want to get paid. So the salary cap situation is Dallas's worst enemy right now, and I don't believe that they have enough guys uh, to be able to do it. And they are getting Jason Witten back, so I don't know what kind of dyma- dynamic those are giving me that look. I don't know what kind of dynamic that brings to the table right. for Dallas. Right. Yeah, They. I mean... They- Jalen Smith's a guy that's in in a few years is going to want to be paid as one of the highest linebackers. Yeah. Leighton Van Der Esch, mm-hmm. um, that defense is really good. I I I I'm not going to, you know, I I really like what they did. I think they have one of the best linebacking cores um, in all of football. A lot of young guys, like you said, they're paying Dexter Lawrence um, as one of the highest DNs um, in the NFL. So, you know, they are going to have to. They're not going to be able to keep everybody, and and that's that's just the reality of the situation. But. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's just so tough because each player is so important at their position. Where it's just you got to pick and choose. And in in my my eyes, um, they do have a defense that they can rely on, and, and you need to have a running game. And um, I, I know they signed Alfred Morris, but I don't really know how much gas he has left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's kind of a power move by by Jerry Jones, but for in my eyes, I feel like you could you could squeak by without Amari Cooper on the team and still and still win games. Um, I, I, I do believe that the Cowboys, if, if all comes together and they can have everyone on the field, that their roster, they could win a Super Bowl. Um, but it's, it's going to rely heavily on running the ball with Zeke and playing good defense. That's why I think you need Zeke there. I have three aspects regarding each of those three players I want to run by before I play this Jerry Jones audio. One, is Amari Cooper made more important, made more valuable, made a priority to re-sign because of what you gave up for him? That first round draft pick. I, I do think there's outside pressure that you know now you because that would just be a waste of you know you'd just be wasting your first round pick. So I do think that is a factor. Um, I think that's a huge factor, and and obviously a lot of people would argue they gave too much up for Amari Cooper. I also do like think that Amari is credited for a, a lot of obviously turning things around when he arrived. So I think it's kind of like in people's minds that's like the the most recent thing. So. Um, a lot of people are putting more value on Amari right now than, than Zeke. People are kind of forgetting how important Zeke is to that offense. Two, regarding Dak Prescott, do you admire the loyalty that he's shown? He's never wavered. He knows his role. He doesn't try to get outside of it. And he has never missed a game on his, as a member of the Cowboys. He has never missed a game while on the roster. His loyalty, his durability, how much does that factor into your decision as far as who to pay and what to pay him? I do think um, you know he's done everything by the book. He's he's not in the media shouting out you know pay me pay me. Um, he's just kind of stuck his head and down and put his head down and, and went to work every every game every practice you know since he's been in the league. So I do think you know he's done everything right. Um, and I do think you know yeah that that is a, a factor in why you should pay him. But I'm just one of those guys. I don't think he's good to be banking the most out of any quarterback i don't think he's a top tier quarterback you know i think he's a he's not necessarily a system quarterback but he has a nice supporting cast there um so do i think you should pay him 30 million dollars a year i don't you know i wish they could maybe find a a middle ground and, and maybe pay him a little less so they have more money for other players but um you know the cowboys are going to pay him as one of the top quarterbacks that's just how the league works and and is it worth it i don't think so finally with ezekiel elliott 
I'm not saying that he's being a bully or that he's holding Jerry Jones hostage because I know why he's doing it, because there's a high injury risk at that position. I don't think it has anything more to do than that. But the fact that he is, in a way, for lack of a better term, holding Jerry Jones hostage, you think that entices Jerry to pay Zeke less? Not give him less money, but he's less convinced, less coerced to give him money because he doesn't want a guy who's essentially going to hold him hostage. Um, Consider the owner. Consider who this is. Right. I mean, he's going to take anything personal. Right. I, I don't think Zeke is, is is trying to do this to personally attack, you know, obviously Jerry Jones or hurt the team by any means. But, but Jerry I mean, will I, see it that Jerry way. Jerry will see it that way. But I'm just always looking at it from a player standpoint. And, and you know, running backs, it seems to me that these teams are drafting young running backs and, and just kind of running them into the ground before their their rookie contract is up. And, and that way they don't feel as bad for letting the player go as, as a running back in the league today. You know, you got to kind of take control. You know, you, you got to come in the league, produce those first couple of years. I mean, he was first in touches last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not sugarcoating it. You know, they're they're running him. They're using using his talent. So, um, I see where where uh, Zeke is coming from. He wants to get paid before he has to go through a whole another season where he's getting the most carries and things like that. But um, I do think Jerry Jones is probably saying, you know, you know, what's up? Like, why is this happening? And and at the end of the day, I think it, it, it's obviously both both sides will work it out. Um, but I do think I do think Zeke is has the the leverage. I guess you could say I I I would side with Zeke. I think you should pay him. When before he got, he changed the whole culture of that whole team when yeah. he, when he got drafted. I mean the the energy of the team, everything changed when he he went there and and he's given him 110 percent. Obviously he's, he's had some troubles off the field and things like that. So you. You know, there's questions there, but name a cowboy who hasn't had trouble off. Right. You know, I mean, (laughs) Jerry Jones should be used to that by now. Danner, who's Jake Durant with you? Let's take a timeout when we come back. I will play the Jerry Jones audio for you on the other side of this break. He essentially, in so many words, answers his question. Is he going to pay Zeke or not? That's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Dan Oops, Jake Durant with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you along as always. Here's your Sports Center update. The Portland Trailblazers have signed C.J. McCollum to a three-year extension worth $100 million. That extends his current contract to five years, $157 million. In a move that shocked the hockey world this afternoon, the Minnesota Wild have fired general manager Paul Fenton after just one season. Reports say they have reached out to former Flyers general manager Ron Hextall. Team says Mike Madano is not an option. And finally... Boston Celtics center Inez Cantor will be trying his hand at WWE. Cantor announced that he will learn how to be a successful pro wrestler under the tutelage of Diamond Dallas Page in the upcoming documentary Inez the Menace. They had to stretch wow. to make that one work. That guy's a character. Aren't athletes not supposed to put themselves in danger? Yeah, like, in the can't offseason? the Celtics veto this? Like right. They just signed a new post player to replace Horford. And he's going to go try pro wrestling. Yeah. Like, can't the team say no? Right. I mean, the, the probability of him getting injured is pretty high, I mm-hmm. would say. But in the same breath, I think that's a perfect thing he's doing just because <laughs> of the way he is. He just looks like a wrestler. He just, he's just a big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see him being a wrestler. And, and he has a personality to him. He's kind of a character. Yeah, he's he an really entertainer. Is. So I think it, it fits him well. 
It's like when Josh Norman went to Spain to run with the Bulls a few weeks ago. The Redskins could not have known about that because otherwise there's no way they'd have let him go. Guarantee somebody from the organization saw that online. That was the first time. And I know he was on ESPN at some point, and they're like, have you heard from the team after that? And he's like, yeah, I had a call. It's probably like, don't do that again. Well, I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Now we get to see what the Celtics do if they're going to veto this documentary with Diamond Dallas Page and Inez Cantor. I haven't heard Diamond Dallas Page. I haven't heard that name in so long. A 90s guy. Yeah. Yeah, throwback mm-hmm. on a Tuesday. But I tell you what, Jerry Jones in so many words answers the question, is paying Ezekiel Elliott a priority or not? Here's that audio. Emmett had uh, participated in a Super Bowl being the first rushing champ. Now, this is very important. First time ever a rushing champion was on a Super Bowl winning team. The point there is you don't have to have a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. But Emmett was the first one to do it. I don't say this a lot, but Jerry Jones is right. His concept is right. Not paying Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not saying that's right, but his concept is right. That you can get to the Super Bowl and you can win the Super Bowl without a top-tier running back. The Cowboys, no. I mean, they're not going anywhere without Ezekiel Elliott. But even with Zeke, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. But he's right in the sense that you can win a Super Bowl. You can be a successful football team without a top-tier running back. He mentioned Emmitt Smith, the first rushing champion to ever make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, Excuse me, ever win the Super Bowl. When was the last time a rushing champ even made the Super Bowl? Do you have any idea? I, I don't. 2005, Sean Alexander with the Seahawks. Mm. What about that? Man, Sean Alexander, he was, he was, <laughs> he was a Madden cover athlete. He was a monster. He was. He had a good couple years. But I um, tell you what, yeah, I mean. I mean, I, I can see where, where he's coming from. But at the same time, I mean, their backfield isn't, isn't great. It just makes their offense one-dimensional in, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have the rushing champion, you're right. But, I mean, you have to at least have some depth and some guys. I know the Patriots, they've been able to do it for, you know, with just a handful of guys. But, I mean, they have Bill Belichick. You're, you're running with, like, Jason Garrett. You know, the, <laughs> you know, things have to balance out here. It's a good way to look um, at it. You know, so Bill Belichick, he, he knows what he, he, he's doing, and he can work on the fly. I don't know if Jason Garrett really knows how to do that. So um, something's got to give. That's all i got to say. Do you think, uh, let's speculate here, in about a year, could Lincoln Riley win with this team could he be a super bowl coach with the team that they have right now i mean that's tough to tough to gauge too just because he he doesn't really know the nfl right and we don't know him at the nfl exactly so and he's had some really good college quarterbacks Mm -hmm. during his time i want to see him you know what he's going to do when he doesn't have a heisman caliber quarterback if if that's going to ever be the case there in oklahoma because they just keep bringing guys Mm -hmm. in but um, could Lincoln Riley come in and do, do something? And, you know, he's very innovative and things like that. He could, but I think Dak is kind of limited. You know, I don't think Dak is going to go sling the ball around the whole game and be able to win. He needs a run game, and that's all. And that's all I got to say. I, I just know this is going to be the downfall if they don't pay Zeke. Zeke sits out. Maybe we see another Le'Veon Bell thing. If they don't have Zeke back there, they're not going to be as good. That's just what it's going to be. And. And I'm just laughing because it's whenever the Cowboys seem to have start putting it together and things like that, something something like this happens where there's a holdout, someone gets injured or something, and it's just typical Cowboys. Do you see the Cowboys as a playoff team, or how much of that rides on Zeke for you? 
a lot of it does. Mm. If, if Zeke's not there, I think the Eagles are clear and cut the best team in that division. So, um, but with with Zeke in there, I don't see that you know their defense is one of the best defenses. Uh, I think in the NFL, they they play fast. Um, you know, they got a lot of talent, a lot of young talent on that roster. They can get to the quarterback. You know, they got it. They got a quarter, a decent quarterback. I think he's middle of the pack with Dak. And and if they had Zeke, I mean, they would have one of the top running backs. So I do see them as a playoff team. I don't see why they wouldn't. Other than you know, the Cowboys are known to implode and and kind of be their own worst enemy. Just for that, that's why I don't think they'll be a playoff team. It's hard to trust them. I don't think they'll do it. It's just it's just how it's been with with Jason Garrett and and um, Jones, Jerry Jones. They just for some reason they can't. Put it all together. Something weird happens, and Stephen A. says it all the time. They're cursed. Mm-hmm. They're one of those franchises that are just cursed. I think the division winners this year are going to be Seattle, Minnesota, Philadelphia, and New Orleans. I think the Rams and the Bears are going to get the two wild card spots. Cowboys will come within a game. They're not going to totally, you know, mess the bed this season. But some way, somehow, I don't think they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the NFC is so tough too. Mm-hmm. There's so many good teams. Each each conference has at least, you know, a couple teams that could make the playoffs and and potentially put it together to make a run. So, um, I think Green Bay it has as good a shot as anybody. You know, Green Bay, Minnesota, and Chicago. That that's tough. Mm-hmm. And Detroit. I mean, Detroit's right there too. You know, you can't really you can't really kind of keep them out of the mix. Who knows if they can put it together? If Matt Patricia can get it right. I know they brought a lot of defensive. Um, players in and things like that so it, it's tough if they don't have Zeke I don't see them being able to, to make the playoffs that's just me the, the NFC like you said is so deep and it's deep at so many different spots I think Atlanta's a team that's probably good enough to make the playoffs but won't the backers probably are if the backers were in the east I think they'd win that division if the Lions were in the east they might contend for that division to be honest with you San Fran is going to be better I think LA's going to be down but they'll still be a playoff team it's just a deep conference in the AFC, the NFC. And then the AFC, I mean, who knows what you're going to get out of the Browns this year. The Browns are another team that there are a lot of people's pick to make the postseason that I don't think will. Mm-hmm. Them and the Cowboys, I don't think either of them are going to make it. Yeah, I mean, I do think the Browns, obviously, they have all the talent in the world. I, I'm a huge fan of the, the Los Angeles Chargers. I mm-hmm. think they're a dark horse. I think they could potentially win the Super Bowl this oh, year. Yeah. I think they can win the whole thing. They're actually my my pick coming out of the AFC. You got obviously the Patriots are there. Um the Pittsburgh Steelers are a team. You know, there's just a lot of you know, it's not as deep I don't think as the NFC. I think the top teams are are kind of set in their ways, but you know, I just think there's so much parity in the NFL. Anything can really happen. Um and one team's, you know, one piece away, one injury away from it all crumbling as well. So um will be fun to watch and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think I'm ready for my AFC playoff picks. I think I'm ready to give those. I'm going Chargers. I think they are going to be a wild card team that could very well go to the Super Bowl. I still think Kansas City, as long as Tariq Hill is there. Oh, yeah, for Kansas, yeah, Kansas City. And without Melvin Gordon, you know, his status up in the air, I still think Kansas City will win that division. It'll probably look pretty similar to last year where they do it just by a game or even by the tiebreaker. I do see Pittsburgh hanging on to the north. I think, well, they're not hanging on so much as hanging on to that dynasty that they've kind of ran it the last few years. I do think they're going to figure things out with that. The distraction, the culture that they have established there, I think things are going to be much better for them this season. Over in the east, 
We all know who's going to win that division. The Jets. The Jets with brand-new quarterback Sam Darnold. Hey, Le'Veon Bell, they got C.J. Mosley over there. Mm. No, no, I'm just saying, don't, don't count them out. Obviously, the Patriots are, are the favorites. I'm leaning more towards the Browns, though, in the north. Yeah? I, I, I don't know, man. I, I do like James Conner and Juju, but, you know, it's, it's a lot of new pieces coming in. Obviously, they do have the culture. Freddie Kitchens is a huge X factor. Can yeah. he actually coach a team? The Browns just have that swagger. Their defense was actually really good last year. Um, they're going to take a step. I know they added a couple pieces as well. Um, and, then, you know, you got the run game, the offensive line. I don't really know who they have on the offensive line, but is, if they can be somewhat decent, I mean, this the team's stacked. So if they can put it together, I don't see why the Browns couldn't, you know, outplay the Steelers. They may be the most talented team in the AFC, but you're right. It's just can they outplay they're just the so, Steelers? They're just so hyped up. You never see a team fulfill the hype when they're this hyped up. No. You know, because they're just too hyped up. And if they do miss the playoffs, something goes wrong, then what? You have all these expectations put on a team that was 0-16 a couple of years ago. Magnetic beer fridges were opening up when they would win their first game, and now they're a lot of people's Super Bowl pick? I mean, they don't have a big window here. Like It is going to be a major disappointment if they come up, what, a game or two short of the Super Bowl? Like If they make it to the second round of the AFC playoffs? Browns fans should be ecstatic. Yeah. They should be, but they're probably going to be disappointed because they probably think this is their year. They do. I can't blame them because they've been down for so long. You get a little bit of hope, and now, you know, you, you think you're Super Bowl champs. But there's, the players are all saying the right things. They're saying, hey, you know, we got to take this step by step. Um, Freddie Kitchens has, has said the word Super Bowl a few times, so I don't know if you want your coach really talking like that, but. It's going to either – I see it go one one or two ways. It's going to, like you said, it's going to be a huge disappointment. They'll miss the playoffs or, you know, I think they'll put put it together. I, I think they have – they have underrated players at a lot of the positions. I think Denzel Ward is a really – obviously he was a pro bowler. I think he's he's huge. And I think David Nyoku is huge as a tight end. Um, man, I don't know. It's tough. I just don't see how the team can fail with that roster. It's just so good. You think of every, every position – they have one or two players that are like it's like wow mm-hmm. they have some good players. Um, Antonio Callaway is another that receiving core is yep. legit by um, all logic, but somehow they're going to defy logic. Probably. Freddie Kitchens, <laughs> some something's going to be go up wrong with Freddie Kitchens. He's not going to be able to handle it. I don't really know. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our last time out. We got some college football talk next in ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand with our free mobile app. You can get it from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you on this Tuesday afternoon about down to the 5 o'clock hour. I tell you what, tomorrow night, tune in here on ESPN-UP as we have live coverage of Wednesday night baseball. The West-leading Houston Astros take on the Cleveland Indians right back in the hunt for a playoff spot, right back in the divisional hunt as well. Let's go Astros. Help the Twins out a little bit. That can be heard here tomorrow on ESPN-UP as well as with our app. Well, I tell you what, I brought this up yesterday in the show, but I want to get your thoughts on it. The NCAA.com preseason football poll came out. It's not the official poll. It's not the Associated Press poll that we're going to use starting August 19th. And 
Certainly not the college football playoff poll. It doesn't come out till Halloween. But it's going to give us a good idea of where some of these teams are going to fall in to start the season. Ohio State was at number three. I don't even need to ask how you feel about it. But I don't think it's warranted. No. I mean, I mean, there's so many questions. New head coach, um, new quarterback. I can see kind of where it's like, okay, they, they reload. They're kind of similar to an Alabama. Mm. They're like Alabama of the North where, you know, they just have five stars everywhere. They're going to figure it out. Um, is his first name Ryan Day? Ryan Day? Ryan Day. Ryan Day. I mean, he's. it's not like he's a brand-new guy who's come in and, and taken over the program. He's kind of been there, knows, knows how things work, knows the personnel. So mm. um, number three, though. I mean that's kind of ridiculous. Where's you know Michigan should be ahead of them. You Let's didn't even make the playoff last year. That's what now I mean. You lose so many pieces. Yeah, what all these pieces? being number three. Uh, just the name, man. Just I the guess. name, the the recent history, um, and just the way they've they've kind of produced wins. I guess maybe that's it. They're all on potential, but they're not even the favorite to to come out of the the Big Ten. So I don't know. It's just kind of it's it's questionable. These polls are questionable. I mean, you, not you're not going to get it right. Right. Except for the top two. Yeah, especially the Bama. Yeah, the preseason, it's different. Clemson's, Trevor Lawrence is just a crazy. I mean, whoever gets to draft Trevor Lawrence is going to be mm-hmm. insane. I would be already planning. If I was a GM, I'd be planning on how I could get Trevor Lawrence on just the team. Just tank for Trevor. Just tank. I mean, it's worth it. He's a, he's one of those guys that I'm just in awe when he plays. It's crazy. Well, I tell you what, the uh, Alabama-Clemson paradox is going to continue to reign over college football, we think. I mean, what are the odds that it's not another Bama-Clemson National Championship? Is there any hope? I don't think so. I don't think there is. I honestly don't think so. I really don't. I mean, it's almost, unless it's a team, in college football, it's it's different because crazy things do happen on any given night. But, I mean, these two teams are just so ahead of of the rest of the field where it's just like, it's it's hard to see. It's just really hard to see. And, you know, they got the coaches, they got they got the players. They got everything. So um, it's pretty much almost a guarantee that you're going to see Clemson and, and Alabama. But, you know, there's some teams that can maybe play them decent. I'm not saying they're going to win, but, you know, you never know. There could be a, there could be a player on the, on the rise or on the horizon that we don't even know about that could just dominate. Who knows? Michigan comes in at number six in the preseason ranking according to NCA.com. You like that? I like that. I mean, it's, I don't want them to be, you know, too hyped up into the season. I just think – they got a, they got their defense is going to be there. Obviously, they got a good coordinator, defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to have them um, kind of hopefully clicking on all cylinders. Shea Patterson coming back is going to be huge. Uh, you know, with a year of experience, and I think if their wide receivers can stay healthy. They're uh, they're always going to have a run game. Um, so, am I as optimistic as as past years? No, but I do think when you have a a Heisman candidate at quarterback that helps. So I think six is pretty good. I mean, I feel like they should be ahead of Ohio State, maybe by one or two spots. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll take six. The rest of the top five, of course, we already mentioned Clemson, Bam, Ohio State. Then it's Georgia and Oklahoma rounding out those spots. And then a few other notables in the top 25. Wisconsin is number 16, Michigan State 23rd. How about that? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. You can't totally, you know, deny them. They're due. I mean, Michigan State's been one of those more consistent programs. As much as I hate it, um, yeah. you know, they've always fielded a really nice team. And and I know we talked a little bit about Wisconsin, who's always just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Nothing spectacular, nothing you know, crazy, jumping off of the the screen. But they're just solid. Um, so I think you know those are two teams that that des- are deserving of being in the top twenty-five. 
I wonder what kind of year Michigan State is going to have because, honestly, their offense doesn't look like it's gotten a whole lot better after last season. Brian Lewerke was supposed to take a step forward, and he didn't. Who's that? Rocky Lombardi? Is that who the backup is? I like him because he's from Iowa. But he I might like the name. The <laughs> is that a cool, cool. name? Yeah. He should be getting his uh, – You know, it might literally be a year where he could challenge Lewerke for a starting spot later in the year. Uh, that defense is going to be what they rely on. Honestly, I, I don't want to disparage Michigan State because they're well-coached and they do have a good defense. And if Lewerke or Lombardi, whoever's under center, can put it together, they could have a really nice season. But a lot of things have to go right for them, it seems like, just to finish 9-3, and three, realistically. Right. I think that's best-case scenario. Realistically, they're probably an 8-14 and 14 this year. Exactly. You know, they're going to – obviously, there's going to be teams that are obviously just mismatched. Um, you know, cupcake teams, I guess you could say, and that defense is going to be able to suffocate them. But I don't see them scoring a lot, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, with that offense and, and how it's, it has struggled. So obviously going to have to rely on that defense. You know, they're going to have to win some really – they're going to have to grind out some games and win some really close games. And, and they've shown that they can do it. But, um, yeah, the ceiling doesn't seem to be very high for the team. I obviously don't see them making the college football playoff, um, you know, and they're going to need some guys to step up, and I just don't see it right now. But who knows? They could have a guy waiting in the wing ready to kind of step in there and, and, and arrive, and, and we might see it. But right now, it, the, it doesn't seem likely. Let me give you this for your Wolverines. Do they finish in the top five at the end of the regular season prior to the Big Ten Championship if they're playing in it? Will they go in the top five team? I mean, you're asking a, a mission. I, I'm optimistic. <laughs> I, I, I hope they're in the top five. I don't see why not. I don't yeah. see why not. They got, they got experience at the right positions. Um, like I said, that defense is going to be good. They got the the coaching staff, and you know it, they better beat Ohio State this year. I mean, this is the year where Ohio State is quote down yeah. a little bit, you know, and it's really just the question marks that they have. Um, if they don't do it this year, and and you let uh, Coach Day get a, get a year under his belt and and get the guys in there that he wants, I mean, we could potentially see Jim Harbaugh out of there without winning against Ohio State, which would be just be tragic. Is Michigan the Big Ten champion when it's all said and done? I think so. I, I think, think this so. is their year. And I'm not just saying that. I, I do think they have the best overall team. Ohio State's going to be right there. I do think Ohio State will be there. Um, but, I mean, Penn State's going to be down. Your, your Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm not mine, but. Oh, well. You know, Iowa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, they, they they don't look great. Wisconsin doesn't look as good. Yeah. Um, like you said, Michigan State has a lot of question marks on offense. So, it's going to come down to Ohio State and Michigan, and let's just hope Michigan can, can pull one out finally. Does a one-loss Big Ten champion belong in the college football playoff this year? It's tough. It is tough. I mean, I don't think the Big Ten the Big Ten's not really impressive right mm-hmm. now. I, I mean, would agree with that with Ohio State one down teams, like it is. Exactly. There's like one or two teams that you know can be in the question as, as the top college football team. And everyone else is just like, okay. I think some people are saying Nebraska is really good this year. I don't see it. I don't know there what was an article saying, this optimism. There was an article saying that Nebraska could potentially win a national championship. I don't know where this these people are from. They lost to Troy. I know. So, I mean, if Nebraska is as good as people are saying, you know, and if Penn State can surprise some people and Wisconsin is up there in the top 10, 15, and you, you know, lose, I guess maybe. But right now, no. I think you got you got to run the table in the Big Ten. You can't lose. Let's just put it that way. They lost to a school they paid to come to Lincoln and play them. Sometimes we have teams coming in with nothing to lose. 
I don't know. It's, it's don't schedule Troy. Me. They did that to LSU like three years ago. Yeah. Hey, they got some <laughs> players coming out of Troy once in a while. Once in a while they do, don't yeah, they? Yeah, Marcus Ware. Was he a Troy Trojan? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. All right. Well, I tell you what. Let me take a look. Let me give you some of the matchups that Michigan has on their schedule. First of all, what do you have for wins losses for Michigan in the regular season this year? Undefeated. You think so? Twelve and zero. Twelve and zero. Let me give you a few of these matchups early on in the season. The first three games: Middle Tennessee State. Oh, that's a toughie. Then you've got Army coming to town, and then cross a road at Wisconsin. Any of those games give you a pause? At Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. That, okay. that that worries me just because. It's a tough place to play, and in Wisconsin, they they know who they are. Mm-hmm. They don't really have an identity crisis. They're gonna they're gonna play to their strengths, and um, they'll, they'll give Michigan a little bit of trouble. Four, five, and six weeks. Four, five, and six. Home with Rutgers. Home with Iowa. At Illinois. I tell you what, I'll give you my answer to this. If that game was at Kinnick, I would say that's probably at least one to be really, really worried about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not worried about it, though. Not, not when you're hosting Iowa. Yeah, exactly. No. Iowa at Kinnick, they'll make you earn a win. Like, they will beat teams they're not supposed to. Right. But go on the road. Nah. Exactly. Uh, games 7, 8, and 9 at Penn State, home with Notre Dame at Maryland. Anything there? <sighs> Notre Dame always is, is a challenge. I, I wouldn't put it past them to lose that one. Um Penn State's obviously down a little bit, but on the road, anything yeah. can happen. And I know that place gets really, as as the youngins would say, that place gets lit. Gets you know, lit. Um, and it gets loud. And anytime you have that, you never know what happens. So um, Penn State, obviously, Notre Dame is never never an easy win. And uh, Maryland, I'm not worried about Maryland. No. Not at all. And then the final three games of the year here in the last minute of the show, home with Michigan State. At Indiana, struggled with them a little bit last year, and then home with the team down south. Yeah. Team down under, is that what you call it? I don't know, I do. Um, obviously, the high State game, that worries me. And Michigan State always seems to play Michigan tough. Obviously, it's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. I'm really happy those both those games are at home this year. So I think it's lining up. They just got to put it together and, and just do it. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We are out of time. Appreciate you tuning in as always. We got going on at Local 3. Anything fun coming up? Uh, high school sports zone. We're yeah. going to be hitting these high school football camps. Um, you know, I was planning the planning the sports zone out. Fall sports is starting. Um, I got a couple a couple unique story ideas that I'm going to put together this month, um, just locally here. That I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put well, out put out in the environment right now. Just tune in. Um, other than that, man, we're just trekking along. It's been a, it's been a good summer. It's flown by. Got your new co-host there yet? Uh, we, I got, I got, I got somebody. Okay. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to intro. He's, right. he's in house right now. He's, he's learning. He's a big sports fan. So I think, um, no one's going to replace Sir Calvin Lewis, no. but, um, he's going to be a good addition. That is it for us. Once again, I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place for Eastern three central for Jake Duran. I'm Tanner hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN UP.